on today's show, I was literally scouring the internet. Not always like to listen to new, cool, and different podcasts. And every year, I normally have like a relationship expert or a love expert or something like that on. And this year, I didn't have one on for Valentine's Day. So I was like, you know what? Let's make this happen this year. And I was like, let's let's find out. So looked around, and lo and behold, I saw a couple of friends that followed a certain person. And I was like, let me check out their, you know, their information, see what they're talking about. And they're from Arizona. I'm like, that's even better. Let's let's hear what they're doing in the Southwest. And so the next voice you will hear is Dr. Elizabeth Frederick on the No Picks After Dark podcast. No Picks After Dark podcast is sponsored by Open Works Baltimore. Enrollment for Maker Camp at Open Works is now open, offering half-day experiences for kids ages 8 to 12 in digital design, drones, and sewing. Maker Camp is a great way for kids to explore their creative side this summer. Sessions run July 11th to August 12th. Scholarships available. Learn more at www.openworksbmore.org backslash youth dash programs backslash. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. I'm so excited that you guys are here with me today. We have an amazing show for you folks. I'm so excited. Uh, I've been working on this episode probably for three or four months. And because I, I've been, I'm so excited. I love all her work. She's a local celebrity back where she is at home in Arizona. She's always on TV doing big things. And I'm honored to have Dr. Elizabeth Federick from a founder of Evolve Counseling. How are you doing today? Hi, Aaron. I'm doing well. I'm so excited to be here with you also following you back on Instagram and you're doing some big things out there as well. So, so excited to be here. Thank you so much for your time. I know time is precious and I never want to waste anybody's time. I always tell people time, you never get it back. And you're doing so many things about relationships. And I was like, you know what? This is a great topic right now because there's so many things with relationships. You know, I've seen the Tinder, Swindler, all this stuff going on in the world right now. And with the pandemic and with all this stuff going on, I've seen divorces happen during this pandemic. People are like, I can't live this person no more. I realize this is not the one for me. But again, I'm excited for you to come on the show. Give a little background about yourself. Tell the audience you're from Arizona. Um, tell us a little bit about you. This, this is your show. I tell people. Sure. So yes, I'm from Arizona. I, um, I own two private practices in, uh, Arizona, one in Gilbert and then one in the Phoenix area, um, that we're just actually getting up and running right now. So that's been really exciting. Um, I specialize in relationship work, so relationship and attachment. And I've been, I started primarily working with children and adolescents. And as I was working with them, I started to realize that, a lot of what was going on with them was really founded with their parents, right? The parents set the culture of the home. And um, really, it's often the parents, maybe attachment wounds or ongoing relational struggles that they're then role modeling for their kids. And so it was a slow transition of realizing that I wanted to work more with the adult population, um, specifically on relationships and attachment. So that's what I do with my um, individual work. I also, as you mentioned, I host Calm, Cool, and Connected, which is a mental health um, podcast and talk show. And so, yes, I stay very busy, but blessed because it's all within my passion of mental health. Well, so I guess we'll start off with, you know, are you originally from Arizona? Is that your home place? Is that where you've always been? No, so I'm from California. I grew up in Southern California, and then my ex-husband and I lived in Northern California for multiple years before his job brought us out here to Arizona. 
uh, probably about 13 years ago or so. So I've been here quite some time. So you're, you're, you're locked into the land of Southwest. Yes, absolutely. So I'm not, not to say, what did you, what do you like better Libby? Uh, Southern California, North California or Arizona? I genuinely like Arizona. So I, the heat gets everybody and the desert, you know, there's multiple, we don't have the beach, which, which is a bummer, but uh, overall I, Arizona is what I prefer. Okay. I, I love going to Arizona. I have a cousin who lives in Phoenix and I love going to old Scottsdale. It's just so relaxing to go out there and just enjoy my time. My allergies yeah. don't act up when I get there. It's like refreshing. <laughs> so it's always a really, just a really just unique time to go out there. I used to go out there twice a year and hang out and just, I love the area. I thought about moving out there once upon a time. And then I went out there, like you said, the heat. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, we have humidity, but like, it's like 110 is 110. Like, it's like, okay. So it's a little different. Yes. So, what I guess always ask every, you know, guess this, what is your favorite childhood memory growing up? Yeah, that's difficult in terms of like to pinpoint one. I think where a lot of my most fond memories are, I played a lot of sports. And so that is what basketball was and is my love, though I haven't done that in many, many years. Um, and so that's probably where a majority of my uh, really happy memories are. I just, I have that competitive nature. I love practicing and becoming better at things. And yeah, so that a lot of my really fond memories are tied up in sports. Nice, nice. And um, so when did you realize you were like, uh, you know, you're in school, you wanted to be in this profession? Like, where did that, was there a family member? Was there somebody that you looked up to who were like, oh, they're doing this. I kind of want to do this. Or were like, I mean, how does want to get into this field? Sure. So when I was in my late teens, early 20s, um, I was actually, I did retail management. And um, the trend was I worked with a lot of young males and females, but it was really the females that kind of, um, attached to me and they would come share things with me all the time. And I was, you know, supporting them through so much. And that's when I realized my passion, when I was saying earlier of working with children and adolescents. So the, the female adolescence piece is what really intrigued me and what I wanted to work with specifically. And so it was actually through my interactions and relationships with my employees um, in retail that I was like, Hey, there's something more here. These, these people need some help. And so I, decided to get an education in it and pursue it that way instead of just giving this free advice on the retail sales floor. I love it. I love it. So it's funny. I, uh, that was one of my major, that was my major in college, retail uh, management, minor in marketing. And oh, okay. I wanted to become a buyer. I wanted to work at Saks, Nordstrom's, Fifth Avenue, Manhattan. That was the whole dream. And then my parents said, that makes no money. We got to figure it out. <laughs> like, great, great dream, but we're not paying for New York City. Um, rent and i was like yeah we changed that real quick but um, <laughs> i did something that was totally different which worked out really really well i was right outside of manhattan and hoboken so i was close enough but i wasn't in manhattan um so that's that's really cool that background of going to that and like when you were talking with these adolescents when you were like you know everybody's talking about that you know we all have issues as young teenagers i mean yes. the, world, the world comes to an end when you're that age how did you find your voice? Like, where did you find your voice when you were giving this free advice and you were like, boom, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to get paid for this. And I feel like I'm really good at this. Like where there's always a clicking moment when people's lives are like, oh yeah, I, I should do this. Like, was there like something like that happened? 
I'm not sure specifically. I was actually looking to go into law, which if you spent much time with me, that would make sense to you. And so that that was the direction I was heading. And I think that it was more just my heart was being pulled to to help. And so I just I really wanted to. And I so I think it was more of a slower, gradual process of just realizing that that is where uh, what I was passionate about, what my heart was taking me towards. Um, so I don't think there was this one aha moment, but it was just these multiple compounding events that led to that decision. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So I'm going to jump around a little bit real quick. Sure. So when you graduated from college, what was your first job like doing this? Like as far as getting in the field and whatnot, because yes. you're, you're a doctor, you're big time. So you got that, you got that. <laughs> Those, 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 those letters behind your name. So, you know, that's awesome. Well, when I first, when I finished my master's, what I was, did for my internship and then I got hired on there, um, I worked for out on our, one of our reservations. We have quite a few reservations out here in Arizona. And so um, that is what I did. I worked directly with the uh, adolescents um, and some children, but more the adolescents doing mental health for um, directly with the Native American population. And so that was really neat for me to be exposed to that culture and really be brought into that culture in a lot of ways and to just have a completely different experience than what I'm used to. And so that was where I started and I did that for a couple of years and then I transitioned from there. Most of my work early on was with, um, I transitioned from there into working with children in the foster system and I did that for a few years and so that was a lot of my work early on was children and adolescents who were either in foster care or who, you know, were wards of the state. I just, I mean, the foster care system and you working with those children, how did that I mean? Cause that's, that's pretty tough. I, I have friends who are, you know, therapists and, you know, just talking with, so did that really just strengthen your conviction of what you're doing? That's when you went back, got your doctoring. Is that pretty much yeah, yeah, I was actually during that, the second place that I went and I was pursuing my doctorate. And yeah, it's definitely a heart-wrenching thing to do. It's there, there's a lot that you see through that, um, but there's also a lot that you see in terms of the need that they, you know, there's a lack of quality care, a lack of quality providers who um, are really showing up for this population. And so I was, I mean, it would be hard sometimes after work, you know, it's not as easy to brush off as, as other careers. And so that would be difficult. Um, but yeah, that is when I then decided to pursue and go further with my doctorate and kind of see where that took me. And so I eventually transitioned and, you know, currently private practice, but I have a lot of um, a lot of gratitude for those experiences early on. Nice, nice. Well, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. We'll talk about relationships. We want to get into that. We want to get into the pandemic, um, how our tender swindler, or will all these great things. We'll be right back at these messages, folks. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Seeks Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there's something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, online ordering, carry out, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Hartford Road. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. 
Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be filled by Zeke's. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly partnered with Maggie's Farm. Located at 4341 Hartford Road, Maggie's Farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails and mouth-watering cuisine from falafels to scallops and everyone's favorites, honey sriracha cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m., Tuesday through Saturday, and for brunch, Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. with delectable chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy, and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials. No Picks After Dark is sponsored by Snug Books, an independent bookstore serving Northeast Baltimore and beyond. In addition to featuring new books for all ages, the store also carries cards, stationery, gifts, games, and more. Visit snugbooks.com to shop online, learn more about the store, read our latest newsletter, and find a calendar of events, or come browse the store in person. Snug Books is located at 4717 Hartford Road, next to Zeke's Coffee in Hamilton, Laurelville. There is free parking behind the store and open hours are Tuesday through Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Folks, we are back. And uh, again, we're with Dr. Elizabeth Frederick. Uh, she's just dropped some jewels and gems already, giving us a little background by herself. And amazing, like just you know, like going through from retail therapy, pretty much I call it, to <laughs> it is retail therapy, learning and with the, you For know, sure. and also then going to, you know, um, foster work and foster homes, working on reservations and whatnot. And then we go into relationships, which is very interesting because that's, is it, maybe I'm wrong. Is that totally different? That was that come through the surprise of going to relationships or, you know, you fell into it. Like, is it like something where you're like, I want to help out people with relationships. So how did it all transition? So it's actually a lot more connected than a lot of people realize, because when I was doing that work um, in the foster care system, I worked a lot with the birth to five population and the attachment theory is really the foundation of um, birth to five. That's when your attachment with your primary caregiver forms and solidifies. And so in my doctorate um, for my dissertation was actually founded in attachment theory as well. And so it was each of these steps involved relationships and attachment just in a different way. And so it was with the parent-child relationship. And then, uh, like I said, I was working with the children and adolescents and realized, okay, I really want to get to the root, which is the uh, influential aspect of the parenting that's taking place in the home. And so it is all actually very tied together through attachment. Um, it's just a different demographic each time. And then also how I'm applying the theory has shifted over time. Nice, nice. So let's talk. So what is your definition of relationship? What is the definition? What are you, what's this plain and simple layman for you? Sure. So a relationship would be the bond or the attachment, the connection between two people. And this can be, you know, coworker, parent, child, romantic friendship. It, it's can show up in so many different contexts, but really a relationship is two people who know each other, who interact with each other, and there's, there's engagement on some level. And so the quality and the amount and all of that is going to shift, but that would be the basic of a relationship is 
just the dyad between these two individuals. Nice, nice. So then I've heard a lot of, uh, and I know you can't, you can only say so much, but a lot of people, a lot of married couples with the pandemic, <laughs> we're going to get right into it. And they've had some, a lot, lot, of, lot of divorces have been happening. Um, survival, you know, what things have you seen? What have you heard from your other colleagues out there about marriages during this pandemic and the survival and things of that nature? Like you didn't know that much about your partner, really. Like <laughs> what, what, what have you heard out there? Yeah, so really, I mean, relationships in general of the of couples who um, were spending that much time together, um, too much time is just frankly too much time. And so that's what we started to see happen is there was uh, normally, you know, you leave during the day, you have your own routine, you go do your own thing, you come back at the end of the day and you have things to talk about because you've been apart throughout the day. And what happens with, and, and I see this also with um, couples who maybe have a business together or they, so they live together and they work together. I see the same parallel there. And essentially that's, I mean, it's just, it becomes enmeshment. It's too much time together, too many interactions. Um, that increases irritability. It increases um, just the, I guess I should say even decreases like the novelty of a relationship was, which is actually really important for the chemistry. Wow. Yeah. I, I had a lot of I had like friends of friends who were calling and talking to other friends. They're like, Hey, you know, how do you, how, how, is, how are people getting through this? Like, you know, and how are people like, I had friends who were like, they would every day go for a two hour walk to get out the house because they yep. was there was ways of coping mechanism and whatnot and things of that nature. Um, it, that, that's been a really big thing during a pandemic. A lot of people were like, like kind of like what you said, you had your own routine. Yes. Went, went to work. You came back, you could talk about things. And then now it's 24 seven. If you're, you're, it's like, I guess death, death do what to do us part. This is what it, it yeah. is, <laughs> you know? So that's always, always interesting. Um, what are some things like, as far as, relationships you mentioned a lot on a lot of your uh, instagram and tiktoks red flags you mentioned a lot yeah. of things in nature um what are some red flags that people need to see out there that they normally try to ignore that i feel like red flags are always there people just don't want to talk about it they don't want to see it they don't want to acknowledge it what are some red flags yeah, that's that's a great point. And, you know, the thing with red flags, and I try to really normal that normalize this as much as possible, is that we're human. We're not perfect. We all have red flags, you and me included. Like there is no there's no perfect human out there. We all have our the influences of our upbringing, of our imperfect parents who raised us. And then all of our interactions that have taken place since then really influence how we relate to others. And so Everybody has red flags, but they're on a spectrum. And so it's being aware of which red flags are really going to be detrimental and impact your mental health in a negative way. And what red flags can you potentially work through and communicate and become better together? And so some of the red flags of being aware of is um, how somebody communicates or doesn't communicate. So even early on when you're talking and you're dating, um, how long somebody might go before they respond to you, or maybe they respond to you and they answer your question, but they don't ask anything back, you know, where it's kind of like more of these self-absorbed tendencies. Um, that can be a huge one. And then even in relationship communication or, you know, how, how you handle conflict, um, can also be a huge red flag. And so I think that it's like really boils down to, and that's where the attachment, which is a 
long conversation in and of itself, but attachment theory is really the foundation of that because how we interact with our, how our primary caregivers interacted with us early on really influences how we interact in our adult romantic relationships. And so for, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. That's interesting. Go ahead. Yeah. So for somebody to have an awareness of that, like we may have an insecure attachment style and that is okay if we have an awareness of it and are willing to work to change it and to heal. But I think that the biggest red flag to look out for is a lack of self-awareness because with a lack of self-awareness, there can't be change. So with the attachment, I'm thinking now, can you say, would you say that that would work with down to generation, generation, meaning say if you have two parents, they never talk, they never speak. Does that go down to the child? And that's the child, that's how the child sees how relationships are built. And they they model out their parents. So that could be something that's gone. Is that something where they don't even realize is a red flag, but that's what their normal is. Do you see yeah. that a lot in your in your practice while you're doing this? Absolutely. So we truly are products of our environment. And so what you're describing is what I call relational programming. And so the way that we see relationships role modeled for us and the way that if, if you're growing up with caregivers who don't communicate well with each other, that means they're also not communicating well with you, most likely. And so then you don't have the opportunity to learn how to communicate and to connect in a healthy way. And so you're absolutely right. That becomes the template that we have. And so then when we go out into, you know, trying to find our partner, we don't know any different. We, that's just what's normal to us because that's all we've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard some like just interesting stories just in my past time, just learning from others and whatnot and how they handle certain things and whatnot. And it's very interesting, like they get a lot of that from either just their family members, this is how they were raised, this and it's it's always been this way, and this is what you know, that's what they do. Um right. so I guess that for those in the dating scene, the dating pool and things of nature, you know, you hear about these tenders, you hear about there's so many different dating apps out there. Do you recommend those to your your clients? Like, uh, how do you feel about those? Like, you know, there's some hinge and there's so many. I don't, I can't even, you know. But I've seen, like, I've gone to a couple weddings that people who met off of uh, eHarmony and stuff like that, which is great, you know, to each his own. Um, how, I mean, how do you feel about that? And like, do you tell your clients to try and take that leap in faith going that way because things are so digital now? Absolutely. I definitely encourage dating apps. I encourage that they are done in a healthy way. And so we're still being aware of red flags. We're still practicing communication, but actually the dating apps are a really good platform for some of the work that I'm doing with my clients for them to start practicing, right? For them to pick up on the red flags quicker, for them to notice behaviors that aren't healthy. Um, and there's a statistic that recently was released that about 30% of relationships present day are met through dating apps. Like they're, they are very, it is it's what we're doing these days. And so I for sure encourage it. Um, but we just like, we got to be safe and we got to be careful about how we do it. See, I'm old school. I'm not gonna, you know, I was so, I, I'm going to tell my age here, but I remember going to the mall on Friday night. And then you meet girls in the mall Friday. That was back in the day. You know, I had the pager and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm out dating myself. Kids don't even know what pagers are. But, um, you know, and then the pay phones and like, you're like, oh my God. Then if you're dating or courting somebody, your parents are, you know, you were, you didn't have, you, you didn't have call wait. 
so their line would be busy when somebody would call. <laughs> You're like, Mom, get somebody. She's calling me, you know, and yeah, because you, you didn't have any other way to communicate. You're like, I'll call me at seven. I'll be there. And then your mom's, and then it's busy, busy. And you call back, and then her dad picks all. You got to hang up. You know, these are, <laughs> you know, so those are things that were so different. And then going out and meeting people at the bars and meeting, and so it's very interesting that I see like how the world has changed so yeah. much. And I, I never thought about it until you said that you can weed out those red flags and what you want in those, I guess, categories and whatnot. So that makes a lot sense when I think about it right now. That that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, because I mean, you and me both with the pagers, right? I got I had the clear one. You could see all the wires through it. I mean, right, <laughs> right there with you. Right. You know, so, that's what it is, you know? And so I get it now. Like, it just I just never understood, like, all the, the whole, you know, scene, like, I was out with a couple of guy friends. We were in Miami. They're on Tinder the whole time. I'm like, bro, let's just have fun. Let's just go have Yeah. You know, and it's like, it consumes the person. And like, so the thing about, and always the theme and the principle is like, you know, let's get off our phones. And let's right. have time, you know, and enjoy yourself, you know. You know, I was with a friend who was on a date and he was like, the whole time, this girl is like on her cell phone. And I'm like, this is terrible. Like, this is like, you know, like, so to give you a quick background, the party, so No Pixar Dark was a, originally a party. And the theme was, you don't take any photos after dark because we want people to enjoy themselves. We don't want, we don't want people taking selfies and pit, like enjoy your time with that person. So right. I'm like anti-technology, even though we are using it right now, but you know, we use it for everything else. But you know, when you're out and enjoying yourself, so that's why I always understand like those dating apps. That's where I'm going with the dating apps. You know, so I'm like old school. Like, hey, why don't you go out and say, hey, you know, meet up a happy hour. Find, you know, that was that's my thing. But right, and that's the other concern with the dating apps. You're absolutely right that it they are consuming, right? So in the same way that social media, how it's designed, is like always sucking you back in. It plays off your dopamine, and so it's pulling you back in the what's next, the what's next. And that is the one concern I do talk or one of the concerns that I talk with my clients about is the decision fatigue that comes along with dating apps that, you know, if you go to an ice cream shop that has 30 flavors versus if you go to one with three flavors, there's it, that's different. There's a limited number of decisions. And so the dating apps really can feel overwhelming because you're always waiting for the what's next. Right. And that's you're addicted to it. You're like, oh, my God, yeah. oh my God. I swipe, I swipe. Oh, he hit, he, I got a match. Or right, is he going to hit me back? Or is he not going to hit me back? Like that's, that's the excitement. So I'm like, yep. so I look at, I look at it both ways and I think it's, you know, to each his own and that's the world we live in. Everything's instant gratification. So I get it. I understand that. So have you ever heard of, this is going to be a funny one. Have you ever heard of a thing called cuffing season? Have you ever heard of that doc? I have. Okay. Yes. Like it's like spring training. Then winter time comes around. Do you think that's a proper name for that? Well, for those who don't know, it's like, you know, when it gets wintertime, people start finding their loved ones. It gets, gets a little bit cold, a little bit warmer. You know, they always say big guys are a little bit better because it's a little bit colder outside. <laughs> you know, so what are your what are your thoughts of that? I mean, is that a bad word saying that? Or like, what would you, what would be a better word, do you think? Well, my thoughts on it is that it does make sense from even like an evolutionary perspective. We are designed for connection. We're designed to be with people. And so when when the season comes around and you're feeling lonely, you're feeling kind of cold, like, okay, it makes sense. Um, I think it could be a detriment to your long-term 
Like if you are actually looking for a serious long-term partner, that's going to be detrimental because you know you are you're picking someone maybe below your normal standards, you're dropping some expectations just to have the warmth, right? And so that could have some long-term impacts, but it also makes sense because we don't like to be lonely. We like to cuddle. It's, it's how we're wired. Right, right. So I, I had to throw that in there. I had a, one of my listeners were like, see if she knows what cuffing season is. So that's why I threw <laughs> Um, again, what is like, so what are you, what would be your advice, you know, just for the singles out there, people who are, we're getting out of the pandemic, everybody's ready to single, be single and mingle and have a great time. I mean, I'm looking at spring break videos. I'm like, oh, people are back out. Like, it's been a while. They're a while out. and out. Yes. They, that's what they, exactly what they're doing. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I mean, I mean, I saw a lot of babies during the pandemic. I see, I'm sure there'll be uptick on kids nine months from now because People are just like you said, wild now. They're out. They're outside. That's what we call it in both and we outside now. But, <laughs> but like, what, you, what advice would you give people right now who are looking for that one? Just are they settled for whatever? Do you just say, you know, whatever? Like you, I've been lonely for two years. I've been straggling along. I just need somebody to be with. It's summertime. You know, what what would you give it? What advice would you give? So I would not suggest that. I would not suggest settling for just that short term reprieve um which like i was saying it's it's going to that's truly going to just set you that far back if you are truly looking for a relationship what i encourage my clients to do is to make a list of what i call their five needs and five wants so they identify these five needs which are their like deal breakers non-negotiables okay so whatever that might be for somebody and then they also identify five wants and so maybe um this is more about physical looks or it's more about hobbies or interests things that aren't necessarily deal breakers but are preferred um and that they have this list if you're truly serious about finding your partner and finding your long-term relationship um which by the way i'm a big believer that life is about seasons so it doesn't mean it has to be somebody you're with for the next 30 years but if you're looking for somebody serious, you have to know what you're looking for. You have to be intentional with that. And so that's what I suggest to my clients. Have that list, put it somewhere you're gonna see it. If you start talking to someone on a dating app, really make sure they at least check off the five needs before you even move forward with the date. And one thing I, I don't I didn't want to go down a rabbit hole, but maybe this could be another episode. And because <laughs> I've heard a lot more of this now. And maybe maybe it's always been around. But maybe I'm just getting older and learning and hearing more about it. What, and this is a whole different episode right by itself. Open relationships. I've been hearing a lot of people who I'm didn't even know were like friends with. They're like, yeah, we're just you know Hollywood swinging, you know, like whatever. That's a whole different beast. Yeah. But are you seeing a lot more of that now in your practice? And I mean, I guess it used to. Well, it's, it's probably still is frowned upon in some circles and lights, but. Are you seeing a lot more of that now? Sure. Yeah. The polyamorous lifestyle is, is picking up popularity. And I think it is because to your point, it is becoming more accepted. It's becoming more talked about. And so it is becoming more normalized. Um, and so, yeah, I wouldn't say I've, I see a tremendous influx of that in, in the clients I work with, but I do have a handful of clients in that they, they are part of the lifestyle is what it's called. And, um, and that the, all of the principles that I talk about in terms of red flags and healthy relationships and communication and all of that is still just as applicable 
to individuals who are part of open relationships as uh, monogamous relationships because it still matters how you're treated. It still matters, you know, how you're engaging with people. Um, so yes, to your point, it is more common. Um, but in my belief, the the basics still are the same in terms of uh, the quality of a relationship. Yeah, I, I think that was a lot, that was a little loop, a little trick shot there. So. <laughs> Uh, no, it's an interesting topic for sure. It is. And I had, you know, I've had people talk to me about it and they're like, what are your thoughts? I mean, you've heard more about it. I was like, I don't really know anything about it. I, I, I see it. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't understand. I, again, to each his own. So I don't yeah. know. So it's one of those things that I'm learning and trying to educate myself a little bit more about the lifestyle. Like you said, it's your lifestyle. Yeah. So I always ask everybody these questions because it's the fun part of the episode. Always, the whole episode is fun, but this is the speed round here. Okay. All right. Sushi. Do you like it raw or cooked? Cooked. Okay. All right. Tacos or pizza? Oh, pizza all day. Pizza every day, actually. <laughs> Camping or the beach? The beach. Okay. Flats or drums or chicken wings? Uh, drums. All right. Blue cheese or ranch? Ranch. All right. And what inspires you every day? My clients, genuinely my clients, the work that I do with that I see people growing and making progress. And that is just constantly pushing me to want to continue to learn more, to be able to help more. And what is the best advice you've ever received? Um, probably when I was a small child, my dad would always tell me to be bold. That was his all like, we would ask him to do, go have a conversation for us. Nope. Be bold. Go do it. And he's instilled that in me from a very young age. And I attribute that to where I'm at today. Hey, thank you so much. Tell people about your podcast when it comes out, um, your uh, business, where they can find you, social media, Twitter. This is, you plug yourself. This is, you already, <laughs> but go ahead. Uh, sure. So my, uh, yeah, the podcast is Calm, Cool, and Connected. Um, we are on all major podcast platforms. Um, my website for my practice is evolvecounselingaz.com. Um, and then for social media, uh, my handle for Instagram at Dr. Elizabeth Fedrick. And then also same for TikTok. Um, not super active on TikTok, but Instagram, very active on there. Happy to engage. Love to jump in the DMs and just engage with, you know, whoever, whoever wants to chat. Uh oh, we could see we could that's a whole different that's a whole different relationship uh thing that's happening. <laughs> okay, whole, wait, I don't mean it like that. That's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole different episode. <laughs> I oh, mean that's funny. It, it is. I mean, that's like the new way of dating, I guess. Pop sure. <laughs> shoot your shot. You don't never know. You might make one of those baskets. I guess I should clarify that. I'm not looking for anyone to slip into my DMs, but <laughs> If you are wanting to chat about something or post things like that, I'm happy to do so. Thank you. I I appreciate. Thank you for taking time out of your day for hopping on No Picture Dark podcast. This has been an amazing topic. Um, hopefully, I can have I can have you back on uh, later because uh, I really believe that people need to hear about relationships and you know we could talk about sliding DMs and open relationships because I think that's a really big topic and I, you know you have really dropped some amazing knowledge for me and for my listeners. I'm excited for this episode to come out. So I really, really appreciate that. And please support her business out there. My people who live in Arizona, I have quite a few Arizona listeners out there actually in my show. So um, I really appreciate your time. Anything else you want to say to the listeners before we head out in Baltimore? I don't think so. I appreciate it, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed our time together. All right. All right.
Well, thank you, folks. Love, peace, and happiness. We're out. Baltimore Fiscal Partners is a boutique CPA firm specializing in accounting and consulting services for nonprofits, small businesses, and with experience running nonprofits and small businesses, they know that there's not always enough time at the end of the day for you to focus on your finances, whether it's monthly bookkeeping or an annual audit, tax preparation, or consulting, nonprofit or small business. Baltimore Fiscal Partners provides full range or tailored solutions that keep your goals and budget in mind. Learn more about Baltimore Fiscal Partners online at BaltimoreFiscal.com or follow them at Baltimore Fiscal on Facebook and Instagram.